0: Ethel? Sylvie? Ethel? Hmm. Oh. Not out here either. Oh, there's a note. Gone to the Black Lives Matter protest march. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I guess we don't have Sylvie and Ethel today. Good for them. Let's get started. Hi, everyone welcome to Dr. Heather Uncensored. So happy to have you here today. And I'm so happy to have Marsha Hines here to tell us her story. She's known apparently as Ryan's mom. She wrote this amazing book called I Know You're In There. And I'm going to let her tell her story, uh, maybe prod her a little bit. But basically, I want you to hear her story. I think it's extraordinary. So welcome, Marcia. So happy to have you
1: here. Thanks for having me, and I am thrilled to be able to get the word out that autism is medical and treatable, and that an autism diagnosis doesn't have to mean game over. Um, My son was born with autism, he's 31 now, and the experts told me that he would need to be institutionalized. Thank God they were wrong, because today, my son, Ryan works as an aerospace engineer. He has friends and is leading a typical life. Um, oh, so extraordinary,
0: Marcia. I can't wait to hear
1: all the whole story. Well, you know, um, autism is the result of a compromised immune system. Right. And if you can fix what's wrong with the immune system by treating hidden viruses and infections, then... These individuals could learn what they couldn't before. Right. And after we helped him medically, he, we were able to catch him up on all the things he missed using our own version of applied behavior analysis, which is the, um, I don't know, it's the behavioral treatment most often used for kids with autism. And to me, autism is simply a word that defines a collection of symptoms that look different in every child. And I actually wish we would stop calling it autism and instead uh, call it a messed up immune system. Because if that would happen, then our kids would get the kind of medical treatment they need and deserve.
0: Yes, I I agree.
1: So I just want to take you back to
0: um, when your son was born. What was that like for you? And then that journey until you said he was diagnosed at four?
1: Yes, yes, he was, he was barely four. Uh It may have even been three and a half, but he was, um, yeah. And, you know, you have to understand that back then there was no internet. Um, I was kind of in the same place that many of our parents are today, um, who don't know, didn't know who to believe and what was credible as far as what doctors had to say. But back then there wasn't much to help us. There was no internet. you know, it was before the internet became popular. And it was a very frightening diagnosis to get. I mean, most days I was holding on by my fingernails. And I didn't know if he would ever be okay. And if you would have told me when Ryan was first diagnosed that one day he'd be an aerospace engineer, I would never have believed you.
0: Wow, that's amazing. I just want, but how did you feel those first few years with him? Did you see anything that was different and what was? Yes,
1: I saw a lot of things that were different. Um, You know, he made noises, he walked on his toes, he didn't have any speech. Mm -hmm. He would do the same things over and over again. He had this stupid little portable radio that I hated because he would go to every outlet in the house and plug it in over and over and over again. And if I had let him, he would have done that all day long. Um, I could have done whatever I wanted for the day. Right. But we had to bring him, you know, it was important to drag him, even though we did it kicking and screaming, back into our world. Uh He would learn the things that he needed to learn. Uh But I do have to tell you, before we started the medical treatment, no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't stop him from squeezing and biting his older sister, Megan. Uh was three years older than him and uh-huh. she used to say to me mom can I hit him when he does that and I'd say to her Meg yes you can hit him as soon as he's better uh-huh. and um, it's kind of still a joke between them today whenever he yeah. ticks her off she'll haul off and slug him as hard as she can oh they both laugh you know really
0: so how, in terms of you, you're saying that it was a medical journey, how did the medical journey then start for you in terms of the help that you got and that you, sh- you saw him changing?
1: Well, it was horrible. We walked into, you know, first of all, our doctor helped with my denial because at first we're all in denial and we don't want to admit that there's anything wrong. And I kept going to the pediatrician and saying, hey, you know, what's wrong with this kid? And he said to me, well, you know, he's a boy, he's not going to talk as quick as your daughter and don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Right. And after later on, I realized he knew that he had autism, but back then they didn't think there was anything they could do to treat it. So he kind of thought it was kinder to keep me in the dark as long as possible. Right. And finally, when I insisted, it was after his preschool teacher took me aside and held my hand and looked in my eyes and said, Marcia, there's something wrong with Ryan. And this was someone I trusted because she had been my daughter's preschool teacher. And her eyes welled up and my eyes welled up. And she said, You need to get this checked out. And that's when I went back to the doctor and I insisted that he sent us somewhere, you know. To kind of get an evaluation and what I didn't know back then was he sent us to the leading authority on autism in the twin cities where we lived at the time Mm -hmm. so he knew that there was Ryan had autism he just was trying to be kind and you know we walked into that psychiatrist's office ready to get answers and um You know, she looked at me and she said, well, there's no cure, there's no recovery, and there's no hope. And if you're lucky, he might be running a computer in the basement of some business where he doesn't have to talk to other people. And then she finished my husband and I off by telling us that most of these kids end up in institutions or jail. And I have to tell you, I left that office and I kind of had a big meltdown myself. I was screaming at the top of my lungs at the psychiatrist that wasn't in the car. Right. I can imagine. I just really didn't know what to do. And it was interesting because my husband and I both knew we would never be going back to her without saying a word because of what she had said. Right. And one of my favorite things that my husband did through all the years is... Whenever Ryan did something that she told us he'd never be able to do. <laughs> he would write her an email. Oh, and did she write that? You know, they never came back to me. So I think she got them. She never answered them. Oh, they're in the back. Of, some of them are in the back of my book. Um, that was part of our healing process as well. You know, to teach her. That's great, Absolutely. That you cannot, you know, give someone a life sentence when your kid is only three and a half.
0: Absolutely. Oh, sure. What did she know, you know? Well, I remember those years. I, those were the year, early years of my practice in Vancouver, in my clinic. And um, there were still, for us, there were still so many things that could be done in terms of naturopathic medicine.
1: Right. But, you know, you're the kind of doctor who looks at the whole child. Well, exactly. I know. I mean, And it- you're the kind of doctor who, you know, doesn't give up and say, right. oh, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Even my pediatrician, who I really trusted, and I really loved, as soon as he saw the autism diagnosis, he pawned us off on someone other doctor in the practice. Because he thought, hey, there's nothing I can do to help this kid. You know, I can't fix it with a few antibiotics or anything like that. And so he didn't want to have to deal with it. So. You know? And it was interesting because the other doctor he pawned us off on one time was not available and I ended up getting him and I had written him a long letter about how, you know, it was really hard on us that, that you sent us to Dr. McCarthy because you were the doctor we trusted. Uh-huh. You were the one who had taken care of my children for years. Uh-huh. And when I, came to you with something more than an ear infection, you left. And he sees me in the office and the only thing he said to me was, good letter. So I knew he got it and I knew the message had registered and I was hoping that he wouldn't treat another family the way he treated us. Right. It's such a shame, such a lack of communication. It really is. And, you know, I want to tell you, I have an excerpt from the book about what my son, Ryan, thinks about medical treatment and autism. And I hope I can read that to you, Please, I would love it. Okay, so this is at the front of the book. It says, some people think we should just accept autism and that if a child is treated, it changes who that kid is. I'm still the same person I was, only now I'm happy and can enjoy life. It's hard to understand that children are not receiving proper medical treatment because some people think we should celebrate autism. When doctors believe the medical issues associated with autism are just part of a developmental disorder, children are not treated for the same medical conditions as every other child. Is that really okay? And I thought, man, he nailed it. Yes,
0: he absolutely did. I I think that, you know, I mean, I see so many, I, I really heard that about that autism is okay uh, and we should celebrate it. Of course, we should celebrate every child, no matter what situation they are in. But I know so many parents who really, you know, it hasn't worked the way um, your story, it hasn't gone the way your story has. And right. some people... It's very difficult to treat this. It's, well, I... it It... I think that there's so many factors, but I want to stick to what you did and what you thought okay. was effective. And there are other, some other questions I want to ask you. So okay. please
1: share. Well, I always have an opinion, whether you want to hear it or not.
0: <laughs> I thought that's fine with me. And I
1: want all your listeners to know that my book, all the proceeds from my book, I know you're in there, Winning Our War Against Autism, go to research and treatment. I don't make a dime on this. And I help parents all day long. They can call me or email me. And I have doctors in um, by location, wherever they live, in different countries and in different cities and in different states. And I also uh, have like an email that has the interventions that helped Ryan the most. So if anybody needs help, all they have to do is find me, and I'm sure you'll have somewhere my email and uh, they can find me at www.autism the word and and treatment.com so autismandtreatment.com right okay. right and yes kids can get better and for Ryan the things that were instrumental in helping him was taking the total load off of his immune system. Mm-hmm. So sometimes doing things that were very simple, um, like switching our laundry detergent mm-hmm. to all free and clear with no dyes or perfumes. Right. I don't know if it did anything, but it was easy to do and I did it. Right. Uh, my husband would change the furnace filters every month instead of every three months, like recommended. Right. Um, Ryan, you know, my first indication that this was medical was when I called the Autism Research Institute and the phone was answered by Dr. Bernie Rimland himself. Now, back then, I was pretty green and I didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. I could have been impressed, but I wasn't. Okay? Right. He knew everything about autism treatment, proven and untrue, proven. And he was the technical director on the movie Rain Man. Okay. Yeah. Uh His son had autism and we had that instant connection that you have when you're fighting the same war. And Bernie said to me, he said, you know, does Ryan do a lot of dairy? And I said, well, yeah, kind of, you know, but you have to understand I was the kind of mom who wasn't into nutrition You know, we had fun fruits for breakfast and that kind of stuff. And Bernie said, well, why don't you try taking him off dairy for a week and then give him a glass of milk and see what happens. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, I probably wouldn't have done a non-dairy diet if he would have said, you need to put him on a non-dairy diet. But because he said it the way he did, and because I was so desperate, I tried it. And by the end of the week, I never did give him that glass of milk because the change in my son was phenomenal.
0: Oh, and tell tell us more. Can you describe it a bit more?
1: Yeah, all of a sudden he was more tuned in. Right. The noises and the um, inappropriate behaviors were less.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, he sent me to a doctor In well, my husband was an airline pilot. So I had the... Luxury of being able to fly places without having to pay much for it ah, nice and, um, You know, I went from doctor to doctor to doctor and I finally found one out in california And we lived in minnesota at the time and this doctor thought That autism was the result of autoimmune encephalitis, which in dr. Mom terms mm-hmm. That means inflammation in the brain, right? And he had us do something called a neurospec. And a neurospec is a test that me- measures blood flow to different areas of the brain. Mm-hmm. And the doctor who read the test, he sent us to Harvard General, UCLA, and the doctor who read the test had never met my son, mm-hmm. and he said, "Autism? Question mark, question mark, question mark." Now, if this was a developmental or psychiatric, Disorder like a lot of the doctors think, Uh you know, he couldn't have seen that on the test. Uh And we repeated that neurospect probably two or three years later Mm -hmm. after we had treated his immune system with antifungals and antiviral medication and things like leucovorin And the blood flow to the areas of the brain like speech and um, social skills were much improved. And so was Ryan. So medically it showed that what we did worked. I always tell parents that they don't need to do that expensive test and it's very hard for our kids to do. Uh I'm really glad we did it because in my book, it shows how this is medical and treatable. Right. Well, you were lucky that you were able to afford it. Yes, I was lucky okay. that I was able to afford it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, these kids are very expensive. But we do have some people who are starting to do what we need them to do. Like there's a clinic uh, in Southern California called Cortica. And I think there's one up in Marin County that's a Cortica clinic. And that is the clinics of Dr. Suzanne Go, And she treats this medically. And she, I went on a tour of this facility and I was so impressed because she had behaviorists, she had neurologists, she had OTs, she had speech therapists, and everything was covered by insurance. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, and a lot of yeah. our doctors don't take insurance. So, you know, that was huge for me to see that. Hmm. yes yeah. so,
0: so did you talk about to these doctors about what actually was going on in terms of say the gut or you know we talk about the antifungals or the antivirals how did they come to exactly which antifungals or antivirals that ryan would take
1: well you have to understand back then we didn't have a lot of tests So we didn't have a lot of the tests that we have now. So we just, a lot of times, did a therapeutic trial.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Then we started with the antifungal. We just tried it to see if it made a difference. Right. Uh, The doctor who we first started with, uh, that was in Connecticut, said, uh, forgot to tell me that when you start the antifungal, you sometimes have something called die-off. Exactly. And about... A week to 10 days later, the autism symptoms are going to be times 20 as the candida and the bad things are leaving the body. Exactly. So when that started happening, I called him up and I thought, you know, what are you having me do to this child? (laughs) are, You know, 20 times worse than they were before. Yeah. And he, and he said to me, it's really a good sign. Yeah. My body was a little crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, he said, because that means that the medication is working and right. doing what it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. And probably about a month down the road, all of a sudden, Ryan woke up one day and I saw a kid that was much more with it and tuned in. Mm-hmm. And he could, you know, before my husband and I were both Behavior therapists under Ivar Lovas at UCLA before we had about 15 years before we had Ryan Uh So we were trained in ABA. We knew how to do it, but no matter how hard we tried We couldn't get Ryan to stop biting or squeezing his sister. Can you tell people what ABA is? ABA is the it's a technique used to teach kids what is okay and what's not. And basically it's just good teaching. You know, what you do is you reward the behaviors that you want to see more of and you ignore as much as possible the behaviors you don't want. Right. And that's just good parenting and good teaching. You know, sometimes you can't ignore certain things, but, you know, in my book, it talks about how you eliminate the really bad behaviors that you can't ignore. And you have to do it one behavior at a time. Right. Otherwise, our kids feel like they can't do anything right. So, during all this time, so you're a psychologist? Me? Or are you a behavioral therapist? Uh, well, no. I was, when I was an undergraduate at UCLA, we took a ah, class. I see, okay. To work with these kids. But we really didn't know what we were doing because they would give us a drill right. and work with these kids. I mean, I knew the techniques, but you know. But you did have that base. i understand understanding it. now. Right, I understand it. Okay.
0: So as you're doing these presumptive
1: treatments, he just kept getting better and better. Well, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> he did, you know, it was 10 steps forward, two steps back. Sometimes uh-huh. I couldn't tell what caused a problem, if it was something medical, if it was something behavioral, if there was a Kid at school picking on him, Uh couldn't tell me because he couldn't communicate. Right. He started kindergarten. He was in the third percentile for speech. Right. And we put him in a regular kindergarten class with an aide. We introduced the aide as an aide for the entire class because we didn't want him to get too dependent on her. Uh It was his diagnosis that paid her salary. Okay. And she helped everybody in the class. So that was a good thing. Um, But, you know, as time went on, he got better and better. By the fourth grade, he was in the 85th percentile for speech. Mm -hmm. Still weird. He was still, he'd still lose everything. He was unorganized. He wanted to have friends, but he didn't know how to make them. Because the social skills are the most complicated and the hardest to teach. Right. So what he would do is he would go up to kids that he wanted to be his friend and poke them over and over again and talk in the same scripts over and over again. So all of us wanted to scream. And, you know, eventually he learned. And um, it's kind of interesting because when he started working as an aerospace engineer, you know, people always ask me, when did you know Ryan was going to be okay? Uh Uh-huh. And I always say it wasn't until he was at his job for over a year and they still liked him because nobody where he works knows he was ever severely autistic. Ryan wants to go on with his happy life and you know, not have people looking at him, you know. Of course, of course. You know, so you know, we he just didn't tell anyone. And it was funny because after he was working there a while, his boss came into his office and told him what great people skills he had. Oh! And he had to call me up and we started laughing because I taught him every one of those people skills.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And once you help our kids medically, you still have to catch them up on what they missed. Uh-huh. And that's what makes treating this so difficult. Right.
0: Well, I want to go back to something uh before he was born, when you were pregnant with him, um, you said that you really didn't eat well. And did, how about
1: during your pregnancy? Were you eating well then? Mm, no. Um, with my daughter, I ate so healthy because she was my first. Uh-huh. Um, your, second, your second one. <laughs> I was a little heavy set. Uh-huh. And I only gained five pounds with her. When I came out of the hospital, I was much thinner than when I went in. Um with Ryan, my you know my cravings were crop dogs and Hershey bars. Oh, I wasn't as good, <laughs> right? So that kind of set that whole terrain in his body, right? It it did. And the other thing that happened was I constantly had sinus infections,
0: right? you were mm-hmm. to something,
1: and and I got one in the first trimester that was really bad. Mm-hmm. And I had to be given antibiotics. And I always wondered if that had something to do with it. And then there was another problem that happened. One time we were at a Kentucky Fried Chicken, okay? And we got our food and we were sitting outside on the grass, eating our food. And Megan dropped her chicken on the grass and she didn't want to eat it because it hit the ground. Mm -hmm. Here, take mine. And I grabbed hers. And this is when I was pregnant with her. And after we left, I saw that the grass had just been sprayed. With him? You were pregnant with him? With Ryan? Yes. yes. And I always wondered.
0: Yes. If it has something to do with it? Well, that's, yeah, that was the next question I had. It's just, it seems like there's, there's an you know, there was an environmental contamination that happened
1: at some point. I mean, that's why a lot of things... Well, happen. yes. And he also got his first vaccine, because, you know, we were all pro-vax until we actually became ex-vaxxers. Right, and, yeah. You know, um, yeah. Ryan had his first vaccine when he was two days old for hep B in the hospital. Now, why do they give a child it's a vaccination instead of testing the mother for sexually transmitted disease? It's so ridiculous. I can't even... Go. It's, it makes me crazy now. Me crazy. It just does. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't even realize that had happened until I was being interviewed by someone and they asked me the question and I went back and I looked and, you know, when I started writing this book, I didn't think his vaccines had affected him. Uh I used to keep a journal of funny things my kids did, right? They were little. And when I went back over Ryan's journal, which there weren't that many funny things in his. But um, when I went back over it, I realized that he got really sick after some of his vaccines. Right. And uh, I didn't remember that. huh. Well, it's so easy to think that the vaccines
0: are fine. They were fine with your daughter, but you were also eating well with your daughter. You didn't have the sinus infection. She obviously had a good gut. She, she was able to fight off. Should well, she
1: eat? did, but my own daughter, my daughter in fifth grade got Lyme's. She got Lyme? Yeah, and uh-huh. she had Bell's palsy, and that's how we noticed it. One day she woke up, and the side of her face was paralyzed, and pointed didn't oh, go to a lot of doctors that day. Wow. But she's now, you know, because yeah. fortunately we had good doctors who uh-huh. knew what they were doing. But she was able to heal that. Yes, she was. And, you know, the other thing that I think comes into play here is a lot of the kids on the spectrum have something called the MTHFR gene mutation. Exactly. I have that. I have it too. I mean, I, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm heterozygous.
0: Yes. Yeah, but when they're homozygous, it, it, I mean, it just really shuts down your, your
1: um, detox.
0: Your it does. You
1: health. don't methylate properly and you can't get rid of all the bad things, yeah. you know, the additives in the vaccines. It's not that the vaccines themselves cause the problems. It's all nope. the things that they add to them to do to preserve them. Yeah. The adjuvant. And, and um, you know, the heavy metals. And it was interesting because, you know, once Ryan was living on his own, he broke a glass and he needed to go to urgent care to get a stitch. Mm-hmm. And when he got in there, they asked him if he wanted a tetanus shot. And being stupid, (laughs) I'm not saying that, but not knowing he felt. Yeah. He said, okay, you know, right. And they gave him a tetanus shot. And first of all, you don't get a tetanus shot. If you break a glass, you only get it for metal, you know, so that alone was stupid. And, um, All of a sudden, my son started reacting to all kinds of foods that never bothered him before. Yeah, I mean, this is very clear. That's the pattern. I mean, this is all so right. And so I was speaking at autism one, one year, and Dr. Fry, who has the quote on the front of my book, I'm really glad he's on the front because he's one of my heroes. And he's the MTHFR gene mutation guru. And we're at autism one. And I said to him, I said, Dr. Fry, I said, what works better for the MTHFR gene mutation, Deplin or Leucovorin? And he said to me, Leucovorin hands down. And then he goes into this big medical explanation that was way over my head because he's really smart and too smart for the room. And I said, no, 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 no. Back up the truck. He weighs 175 pounds. How much? Uh He said, we don't do more than 50 milligrams. So after that, I came home and I talked to Ryan's doctor and we started the LeucaVorin and all those things went away. Uh The interesting part is I started to take it Uh because I also have it. And I went into my very conservative UCLA doctor who tries to vaccinate me every time I walk in there. And I said, gee, doctor, can I get a prescription? leucuborin because I had the MTHFR gene mutation. She didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. She looked it up to her credit and she saw it was basically folinic acid Mm -hmm. and she gave me a prescription. And after I started taking that, it's like somebody lifted the brain fog from my head.
0: Yeah, that's what I
1: could I could remember things. Right. And it was amazing. But that, you know, so for people who are
0: listening, you don't have, it's not like uh, it may be a prescription, but really you can get the same results with folate.
1: Right. Both, you know, the, I, the I like doing the prescription only because I like the prescription grade because then I know what I'm getting.
0: Well, you know? there's a lot of really good uh, pharmacies that are able to make, you know, I deal with only the top ones that you can really trust. And I know that there are a lot out there, but, you know, I'm someone who's really, uh, really believes in obviously naturopathic or natural medicine because I see right. like how it all works together. And I well,
1: you know which ones are good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't. Yeah, absolutely. I would put the my, rest of us are kind of on our own, you know? I know. So sometime
0: we'll have to have that conversation. Um, we just have a. F- <coughs> Excuse me. We just have a few minutes here. I just want you to tell me just something that we should all know about Ryan and something that can just maybe inspire us
1: even more. Okay. Well, I want to tell you about the best advice I was ever given to help Ryan. And I want to pass it on to your listeners. Okay. I was told to use what he loves or obsesses over to teach him. Exactly. And that was huge because sometimes parents, you know, like a, Okay, there was someone who ran the Northern Autism uh, Clinic. And she was brilliant. But she had a kid on the spectrum. And her kid was obsessed with the Hulk. Right. And she wanted to do everything Hulk. Mm-hmm. And she eliminated the Hulk from her house. And I said to her, I said, Kathy, no, you need to bring the Hulk in. The Hulk has to be in every math problem. You the Hulk has to be... <clears throat> Everything you do, because that's going to motivate her and get her attention. So when Ryan was little, he loved puzzles. He loved outlets. He loved plugs. He loved ceiling fans. He loved light switches. Mm. In order to get Ryan out of the house, um, my daughter and I would have a date every Saturday night when it was just the two of us, Mm -hmm. and she knew she would have mommy all to herself. So in order to get Ryan out of the house. Because he never wanted to go anywhere without me. My husband would say, hey, Ryan, you want to go to Jerry's hardware store and look at all the plugs and the outlets? (laughs) And off they'd go to the hardware store. They'd spend about 10 minutes plugging everything in and then they'd sort of sneak out the door before anyone noticed. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, I'm really Really glad that you brought that up because that's so important. It is so important. And the way I taught him language was interesting. uh He made it a game. First of all, I would watch the speech teachers okay, and I would borrow materials from them because he was only given speech twice a week. Mm -hmm. And so I worked with him every day for 45 minutes and they would lend me their materials and they had pictures of different nouns. Like they would have a picture of a car, a picture of a pencil and a picture of a um, apple. And so I put these three cards in front of me and I'd make him say each of them and I'd say card and he'd say card and I'd say apple and he'd say apple and I'd say "Um, pencil and he'd say pencil and I'd say, okay, close your eyes. And he'd put his hands over his eyes. I would grab one of the cards and put it behind my back and then I'd say, open your eyes. And then I'd say, Ryan, what's missing? And he would have to tell me what's missing. And every time he got it right, he got a puzzle piece because yeah. he loved puzzles. Right. And when he had all the puzzle pieces, he got to put it together. So you have to make it fun. Right. So our important. kids experience a lot of, I don't know, people telling them what they're doing wrong. Wow. And so you have to catch them doing the things right. And yeah. it's hard sometimes. Yes. Yeah. It's a way to teach. Make it, it fun to and connect with what they love. exactly they
0: want to keep going forward with that you know it's so important
1: it is it is really important so you know every lesson I did with Ryan he was obsessed with sharks Uh uh-huh uh had had a shark or an electric outlet or a plug or somehow I got all of his things that he was obsessed over into the lesson
0: yeah beautiful
1: and that was really good. You know, it was actually Catherine Maurice who wrote the book, Let Me Hear Your Voice, which is still a great book today. Um, and probably the first book that I read that actually had a positive message. Right. Yeah, so important. I mean, there's always a reason for
0: things. We, some people just don't know why. It might take several years to not know why, but you have to keep digging. And there's also and patterns, patterns, just right. as we saw in the patterns here. There's so many things that actually work. And and right before, I just wanted to explain to listeners if you don't know the word terrain that I said, terrain is really like your microbiome, like your what's in your gut, but it's also kind of hangs out anywhere in your body. It's just the um, it's the makeup of you know the, well, and, the, it's all about the gut. and it's yeah. all yeah well it starts with the gut, but it's also throughout your body that you know like in your nose or your ears or your eyes there's we just really need that to be clean and we really need it to be non-allergic and all those different things that we
1: were talking about and you know when we first started with Ryan we gave him some allergy tests and we did blood tests and he came up allergic to everything yeah and I didn't know what to feed him so the only thing I could do is eliminate the stuff in the highly allergic category Right. Well, when that happens, you look at leaky gut, something that's right. over, right? You probably know all that, but we have
0: to end now. I just want okay. to thank you so much, Marcia. It's a, it's a really beautiful
1: story. I look forward to. Please have people email right. me, Marcia at autism if they need help. Okay. Yeah. Or Once you find my website, you'll have my phone number. You can call. This is all I do. My husband doesn't like it if you call before 8 a.m. Pacific. (laughs) I don't blame him. Well, that's wonderful. What a great resource you are.
0: And uh, I will certainly let people know as well. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Heather. And thanks for having me. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Okay, great. Yeah. You take care. You too. Say hi to Ryan for me.
1: I will.